Let's pray. God, in the next few minutes, as we transition to hear your words, may I not be a distraction. We're so excited about where you're taking us. May that excitement continue to grow and grow, and may it fan into a deep flame. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. I've loved the journey that we've been on the last few weeks. The, the Bible Project describes the Bible as a really large book made up of the Old and New Testaments, which, them, which them, themselves are made up of many books. There's history, there's poetry, there's letters that are written over a span of about 1,500 years. On top of that, there's a cast of, of hundreds of people and you might be asking yourself, how can we keep this all straight? It's easy to get lost, not only because it's an ancient text, but it's a large book and it's complex in its complexity. Despite this variety and diversity, the Bible shows this. It's incredible the amount of unity that's in it. The most dominant type of literature in the Bible is narrative, story. It opens with this in Genesis 1, in the beginning. And the second to last paragraph concludes with, and they reign forever and ever. Narrative composes 502 chapters, or 43% of the text. That's nearly half of the Bible. On the other hand, poetry, which we started our service with, with Psalms, makes up about 33% of the Bible. 387 chapters. Although the Bible is incredibly diverse in its set of literature, and it appears, how we read it, very fragmented, it ultimately presents itself as a unified epic narrative that leads to Jesus. That's the one main plot line. That's the apex. It weaves everything together. Once you grasp that it's all about Jesus and all how these books fit together, you can pick up the Bible at any point and you'll know exactly where you are and what's going on. Think of it almost like, where's Waldo? Where's Jesus? So we've looked at these things. We've looked from about from death to life. We've looked from slavery to freedom. We've looked at from being victims to victors. We've looked at what's it mean to go from a religion to a relationship. And today we're going to talk about darkness to light. We're going to talk about Jesus. He's the light at the end of the tunnel. We can't ignore the, the power of light because that's what Jesus is all about. I love this time of the year because the days are long because we have light. Now, I, I want you just for a moment to, to think about the Christmas story. I know, but we're almost halfway there, so it's going to be familiar to many of us. There's so much power. There's so much in there about the power of light when we think of Christmas. The birth of Christ was decorated with the power of light. There were angels who lit up the, the night for shepherds. There was that star in the east which led the three wise men to find Jesus. Christmas is all about lights. And that's right, because Jesus is the light of the world. 
This is what it tells us in John chapter 1, and we're actually going to spend some time studying John chapter 1 today. John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. How about this in John chapter 8, verse 12? Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, ever walk in darkness, but will have the light of love. Jesus continues that theme a few chapters later in John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Well, that's nice. That's from John. But what did the prophets actually say about Jesus? Malachi 4 verse 2 said this, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, the light of righteousness, arise with healing in his wings. Isaiah described it this way in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It's a repeated theme. I could keep giving you more and more verses. Jesus is the light of God to a people filled with darkness. Let me say that again. Jesus is the light of God to a people like you and me who are filled with darkness. Jesus always shines bright in the darkness. I read a story this week of an atheist who admitted to be puzzled by that concept of light. Uh, he, he's known as the e eBay atheist because he posted his soul on eBay and started to accept bids to visit churches and share his thoughts. Here's what he said. I didn't want anyone to be able to tell me that I was just an atheist because I'd never even thought of Christianity. Some 30 churches later, church services later, he's still an atheist. But here's what he observed, and this is huge for us. At one church I visited, some people were asked to write down how they felt before and after becoming a Christian. They said things like this, dark and light. I went from being lonely to having friends. The atheist thought this, is being down and lonely, desperate, a prerequisite to finding God? Do I have to go through some sort of trauma or crisis before finding that ultimate solution, that ultimate meaning? So I thought this week I, I wrestled with, I can understand his confusion because I've seen people who follow Jesus make huge dramatic changes in their lives. They have turned from darkness to light, from being lonely to having a community, from being dominated by sin to being dominated by Christ. But then I thought of my story. You don't need a, an elaborate, dramatic turn to become a Christian. 11, 12-year-olds, 6-year-olds have rarely ever experienced a time where they've experienced the darker sides of life. They haven't had to live in darkness. They haven't tasted it. They haven't felt it. They haven't suffered from it. But what kids understand is they understand enough of their own personal darkness to want Jesus. We all want Jesus. We all need Jesus. Kids know that 
they, they just need Jesus. He's the son of the living God. They know just enough to understand that they're, they, they're, they have some shortcomings and they need a savior. They know enough just to confess that, that Jesus is the Lord of their life. The people who had caught the atheist's attention were those who had lived with darkness, who had tasted it, who had felt it, and in return felt the suffering of pain and, and sorrow. For them, the contrast is obvious because their darkness was so black and empty. You see, it's the lives of people who lived in the depth of darkness that actually proves that Jesus is the light. They're the kinds of people which we would cast aside as undesirable. You know, they've done terrible things. They're not church-going. They're unsavory. They, they're not kind. Why should they come to church? To many in this world, only the good, the right, deserve acceptance. Lewis Schaefer once said this, Anyone can devise a plan by which good people may go to heaven. Only a God, a God that we serve, can devise a plan whereby sinners who are his enemies can go to heaven. Only God could devise a plan by which those who have made terrible decisions in their lives could receive hope, mercy, and forgiveness. God is a God of the opposites. That's why it frustrated the Pharisees so much in Jesus' day. Here Jesus was spending his time with those who had been naughty, those who were not nice. Jesus ate with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. You know, those people who didn't think they needed a king. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a story of, of two men who came to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And follow along with me in Luke chapter 18. We'll pick it up at verse 11. The Pharisee stood up and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Sometimes we pray like that. I'm not like robbers. I'm not like the evildoers. I'm not like the people who are committing adultery. I'm not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give, tenth of, I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I tell you the truth, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The, the message of the light that came into this dark world is this. You can't be good enough to be good enough to be acceptable to God. If you think your life is, is righteous without depending on the blood of Jesus, your vision is darkened. You failed to shine the light of God on your life because if you did shine God's light on your life, you would recognize that there's this standard of righteousness and you'd realize that you don't measure up. And guess what? I don't measure up. Romans 3.23, we know this verse says that all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, Jesus came for both those who were obviously unrighteous and those who had mistakenly thought that they were good enough, they were righteous. He is the light to all the world. I want you to notice something else in this passage. Look with me back at at John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 6 says, There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. What a great description. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. Well, who's John? John the Baptist had one specific purpose in life. He had been sent to be a witness to the light. His life's goal was to point the way to Jesus. Because of that, Jesus said something incredibly powerful in Matthew chapter 11 to describe John. Tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has never been anyone who has risen greater than John the Baptist. Why would, why would Jesus praise John like that? Because, Jesus, because John pointed his life, he lived his life to point people to Jesus. He lived his life to, to bring God's light into people's life. Now, what does this mean for us? Every time that you and I share Jesus with others, when we bring people to God, when we invite people into our community, we receive praise from Jesus. In fact, that's what Jesus precisely said in Luke chapter 12, verse 8. Whoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of God also confess before the angels of God. Every time you talk about Jesus to others, Jesus is up there in heaven, in heaven, mentioning you by name, talking about you with his angels. Think of back to that, that Christmas time we started this with. It's almost as if we decorate our life with so many Christmas lights that we could be seen from outer space. There are people in your life, who are waiting for you to share about Jesus. I read another story this week. It was about a 92-year-old woman who had preached to the man who robbed her. This woman, Pauline Jacobs, had just returned to her car with her groceries. She had gotten into the driver's seat, and a man with a gun opened the passenger door and sat down beside her. He demanded all her money. She said no. In fact, she turned him down three times saying no. She told him this, as quick as you kill me, I'll go to heaven and you'll go to hell. And then she witnessed to him for the next 10 minutes. By the time she was finished, she had the man in tears. She gave him 10 bucks, all the money that she had, telling him not to spend it on anything she wouldn't spend it on. He kissed her on the cheek and walked away. This woman... Witness to a man who walked in darkness, a man who carried a gun, a man who would have hurt her. But she witnessed to him anyways because she said this, Jesus is in this car and Jesus goes everywhere I go. I want you to notice back to John chapter 1, what verse 9 says about Jesus. It says, he is the true light. Some people have have come to the conclusion that 
one light is as good as another when it comes to pleasing God. They'll say all religions lead to the same destination. The idea that there would be only one true light that leads to God offends some. A rabbi said this, Jesus was a great teacher. He's very ethical, he was moral, he was a human being. Perhaps in our opinion, not a prophet. But he certainly was a phenomenal teacher. And Christianity is a great religion. And while I agree he is a great light, once we say he is the only light, this is what leads to all kinds of spiritual racism and division. Yet, this is the message of Christianity. John 14, Jesus said this, I, I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the apostle Peter told the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other religion that will bring people to God. No other religion that can make you good enough to be good enough for God. People will not make it into heaven because they're nice people. So let's quickly review where we've been before I challenge you with something. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other light that can change people's lives like Jesus can. There is no other light that will lead people to be acceptable to God. And then this fourth one, you are the only one who can bring light, that light into the lives of other people. But Matt, I'm not very good at, at sharing about Jesus. I'm not, I don't have a theology degree. I, I'm not enough, I don't know enough about the Bible to convince people that they need Jesus. Friends, that's where God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in. God isn't expecting you to be eloquent. He's expecting you to be obedient. If you talk to others about Jesus and the church, guess what? God will do the rest. You see, our job is to simply embody and proclaim the saving message of Jesus. God's job is to convict. A blind man stood on the corner at a busy intersection. He was reading Acts chapter 4 from a portion of the Braille Bible. A gentleman on his way home stopped at the edge of the crowd that had gathered to listen. At that very moment, the, the, the man who was blind lost his place. While he was trying to find it, he just kept repeating the last three words he had just read. No other name. No other name. No other name. Many people smiled. The bystander went away impressed. He had been searching for inner peace and therefore was ready to be influenced by a few words spoken right in season. He had heard the verse before. But now that one phrase kept haunting him. Before morning, he surrendered to the Holy Spirit's wooing and accepted the Savior and said, I see it all now. I've been trying to be saved by my own works and my own prayers, but Jesus alone can help me. Jesus is my mediator. 
There's no other name whereby I must be saved. Thus, a blind man's witness, given in a stumbling manner, was used to lead this individual to Jesus. The blind man stumbled and failed, according to our standards. But God took his frailty and failure and turned one man's heart from darkness to light. So let's end this pretty simply. Philemon 6 says this, I pray that you may be active in the sharing of your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Do you feel like your Christian life is a struggle? Do you feel like you just don't know everything? Then I encourage you with this verse. Be active in the sharing of your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. As Christians, we feel that we need to learn more in order to grow in spiritual maturity. This has some truth to it, but Philemon 6 reminds us that we grow as we share our faith with others. Guess what? We'll encounter questions that we don't know the answers to, and so we studied to understand. We're going to learn how to be sensitive to those who don't agree with us. Guess what we'll learn? We'll learn compassion. Many times we don't need to learn more. We need to live out what we already know with those around us. This is the heart of the gospel. And this is what we need to be a part of. Friends, Renfrew Baptist Church, this is what coming out of this pandemic needs to look like for us. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, may we not just be people who kind of have the dim light in the corner. We know that you are the light, and in you there is no darkness. For some of my friends who are watching today, maybe they need to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. For other of my friends, maybe we just need to start shining our light brightly. May we be a people who don't hide our witness under a bowl. May we shine brightly. May the cross that's outside of our church truly represent hope to a world that desperately needs it. And Lord, bring us back next week ready to hear truths about who you are. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.